from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for another episode of Jersey Jump Shot, episode 16 on the season. Appropriately, episode 16 as we begin to look ahead to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. We have a lot to get through on today's show, and of course, it's a tough Monday for Rutgers fans as the Scarlet Knights fall to Houston in the NCAA tournament, 63-60. to We will, of course, go deep into that game. We'll talk about Rutgers' season as a whole and just kind of where the Scarlet Knights go from here. Of course, Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. A wild weekend of college basketball in the NCAA tournaments. Upsets really all over the bracket. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but my bracket is just, it's a bloodbath. It is just an absolute mess. Uh, I think I had four different brackets I filled out. All four of my national champions, I think, are, are done. So it's just been a mess, but that's why we love March Madness. Let's get into this Rutgers game and this this Rutgers season. Uh, they had the lead late to Houston. They see it slip away. The Scarlet Knights lose 63-60. Just a crushing, heartbreaking loss for the Scarlet Knights. But, uh, you know, as we're seeing a lot of on social media today, and as you guys have written, uh, a historic season for Rutgers that, of course, it stings right now. It hurts right now, but certainly a lot to be proud of. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. You covered this team all season. And just take us through last night and, and your reaction to that game. Yeah, I mean, just a, a brutal, brutal loss. I mean, it was right there for them. Um, as you said, Ryan, they were up. They were up by 10. Um, they had Houston right where they wanted. It looked like they were going to pull it off. And then just, you know, I, I think, you know, Jerry put it well in his story. The things that kind of played Rutgers at times um, during the year sort of reappeared. You know, they, they couldn't make shots. They were, you know, just some untimely miscues and turnovers. And and those final minutes were just brutal. And Houston took advantage. And now Rutgers is, is you know, their season's over and Houston's moving on. I mean, that's all it comes down to. Um, just a brutal loss for them, but certainly, you know, it's amazing. You think about the fact that this is a team that hadn't been in the NCAA tournament, you know, for 30 years, they hadn't won a tournament game since 1983 and Rutgers fans can wake up today, you know, lamenting a loss in the NCAA tournament, you know, with, with the sweet 16 on the line. I mean, that just kind of shows you, you know, the progress that this program has made. Certainly a, a brutal loss. No question about that. Um, incredibly disappointing for the program and its fans, but you know, there's no question about how much, how far this program has come. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, fans are able to kind of, you know, be upset about this is, is, is a sign of just how far then this ad has come and how much things have changed. It is Chris, but I mean, yesterday, I don't, I don't think it's too strong to say that yesterday was a Shakespearean tragedy for Rutgers. Absolutely. They, first of all, Joe Boylan, he died. I mean, Joe Boylan is, is just a tremendous guy who had been an assistant coach at Rutgers during the glory years and then came back in retirement to be the analyst for their, you know, their radio team. But more than that, he's just a wonderful human being who connected deeply with everyone around him from the, you know, from the 18 year old freshman on Rutgers roster to the media members, to the coaching staff who considered him an equal. Um, And, you know, I talked to Joe, for, for 45 minutes Tuesday, and he was just so excited to, to be on the mic for this this breakthrough moment for Rutgers in the NCAA tournament. And then a day before the ball goes up, he had a massive stroke. And then I talked to his I talked to his daughter, you know, Saturday, and she said, we're gonna have the game on for him Sunday. And then he died Sunday, right before the game. It's just, an, it's, and then, you know, listen, in perspective, 
that's the most important thing but that happened this weekend involving Rutgers. But then for Rutgers to go and to, to lose a nine-point lead with four and a half minutes left, when they had a clear, not a clear, but they had a path to the final four. And then Steve Peichel walks into that locker room and tells the players that Joe Boylan has died. It is a Shakespearean tragedy. And I'll say this, aside from losing a wonderful guy in Joe Boylan, this loss is going to stay with these players forever. They had this game, and that bracket was epically blown apart. There were, if Rutgers advanced, there would have been an 8 seed, a 10 seed, an 11 seed, and a 12 seed, an unprecedented amount of high seeds left standing. And you're never going to get a draw like this again or a, an opportunity like this again. They may well get back here. They probably will. But to have a road like this, it may never come again. So it really aches in the small picture for everyone associated with Rutgers basketball, the opportunity that slipped away, and just the tragic element of yesterday's day and game. Well, you guys have have really said that well. And, and you know, one of the takeaways as I look back on that game is, even with everything that happened, if Miles Johnson is healthy, I think they win that game. There were a number of plays that you would normally say this guy makes. He It looked like he just couldn't make. Uh, and the, the putback at the end, you know, he missed the dunk. He had a couple of other plays. If, if he was healthy, I still think they can get over the top in that game. But as you said, the, the path was there. I mean, Syracuse, come on. The, the, the Rutgers can beat Syracuse. They beat him um, already by 10 without Geo Baker. Now, Syracuse was missing Buddy Beheim, but Rutgers didn't have Geo Baker. They won the game handily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, incredible opportunity lost uh, in, you know, just a, an epic meltdown, unfortunately. And the, it's interesting point you bring up about Johnson, Steve, because each team had one player, key player hurt, right, yesterday? Yeah. And Miles Johnson, you know, he did not have a very good game. Uh, he did defend the paint very well, but he he didn't rebound at his usual rate. He seemed to wear down, and obviously offensively he had some struggles. Um, Houston, you know, has a guy, their point guard with a hip pointer. He's like limping and grimacing. He was the best player on the court last night. He pulled Houston over the finish line. And I think the difference is it's not that one guy's tougher than the other. It's that one guy was a six foot five skinny guard, and the other guy is a six foot eleven, two hundred and seventy pound guy with a with an ankle injury. And it's just like the nature of that injury with a guy that size has to really hurt. And surely and it was a good observation. See, there was some bad luck involved there too, for sure. From from an X's and O's standpoint, at least from what I saw during that game. Rutgers kind of went into the shell a little bit with those, you know, four minutes left up nine. Uh, that might be a sign of, you know, inexperience, not going for, you know, the the kill shot, so to say, to, to end the game and really put the game away. It, it seemed like they were just kind of trying to run out the clock there. And against a team like Houston, uh, that's not going to work. And, and of course, they were able to come back. And, and Jerry, I'm glad you said it, too, because that bracket, just what a missed opportunity. That Midwest bracket, first off, in the same day, you have the number one seed go down, Illinois, uh, my pick to win the national championship, and I was not alone in that. They lose to Loyola, who, of course, is a very good team. Later that night, you have West Virginia, the three seed, lose to Syracuse. And then you have, uh, after the Rutgers game, you have number four, Oklahoma State, with arguably the number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. They go down. 
they're a four seed. They lose to a 12 seed. So if Rutgers was to advance, you have Syracuse and then the winner of Loyola and Oregon State to go to the Final Four. It was just such a clear path. Rutgers, when they were up, I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, I really was sitting there thinking, like I'm sure most of Rutgers fans watching around the country were thinking, holy cow, they're they're really going to do this. They really have a legit shot. And then it just all slips away, and it is just heartbreaking and crushing. I'm on Twitter now, Ron Harper Jr. tweeting last night. Uh, he said, thank you, Rutgers Nation, for your support all year. Playing 95% of the season with no fans was challenging, and hearing your roars in Indy made it all worth it. That shot will haunt me for the rest of my life, and I wish it went down differently, but it didn't. I never want to stop playing with this group of guys, and to come up short is devastating. That doesn't take away from the fact that this group made history, and this team thought, fought through adversity every single day. I'll forever be proud to be a part of this group that set that standard. Thank you, Rutgers Nation. So obviously, uh, very emotional for these players, because uh, you know, as as Harper says in that tweet, it's this was not a normal season. So to make it all the way here, and to, to have it end like that, it's just crushing for this team. So, so what what happened was, you know, Rutgers two th- two things. One is Houston Houston wore them down physically and down the stretch, and that's to Houston's credit. That team is tough as nails. People wondered could they take a punch because they they didn't really play anybody this season. They, they showed you they could take a punch. The second thing was I, I do think the inexperience of not only these players but Steve Peichel, who's done a, a tremendous job building this program, the inexperience on this stage against that type of opponent and knowing how to close the game out, I do think showed Steve Peichel will learn from this. But for the players, I mean, he, he, who knows? This is not this team's going to look differently next year. Jacob Young already announced his intention to move on. He's 24 years old. We talked about this. He's got to get on with his life. I don't know if Geo Baker will be back. He probably won't. And Miles Johnson is looking around at grad schools across the country, and he's best friends with Geo Baker, their roommate, so he could move on. If they lose those three guys, you know, they're going to have a rebuilding year next year. And so Steve Peichel is going to be there a long time. He's going to win a lot of games, and he will learn from this. That that doesn't ease the pain of the missed opportunity. And to, to Chris's point, in the big picture, which eventually will seep in a little bit more, it, yes, they have put Rutgers on the map basketball-wise, which you know people did not think was possible. So it will be interesting to see, can they capitalize on this moving forward with momentum in recruiting and you know the brand now being corrected? Um, that will be a, a storyline to pursue for that going forward for sure. Yeah, that's that's a big discussion to have. And I, I know Chris has written about it, too. But what's next for this team? I mean, in terms of players, yeah, of course, so, you know, every year in college basketball, you're going to have seniors move on. You're going to have players transfer or what have you. But in the, in the long run, what do we see as next for this program? Is this the foundation? Are we going to be talking about the, the Ron Harper and Geo Baker team 10 years from now when Rutgers is a perennial tournament contender? Or is this a flash in the pan? What's what's next? What do you think? Uh, you know, how does this program project? Because it certainly seems like they're heading in the right direction, but they are going to have some rebuilding to do over the next season. Yeah, I mean, no question. You know, it's it's. I, I think that this was a major step in trying to, you know, as you said, kind of put them on the map and and show players around New Jersey and and really around the country that this is a program that can go places and can and can do big things on on a big stage and. They needed to kind of get over this hump in order to do that. No question about it. Next year, as you said, is going to be rebuilding year. I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to lose some of their best players, most likely. Um, they got some talent coming back. There's no question. But is is it going to be enough to to help them 
you know, get back to where they are right now, it's tough to say. But I think that this was a big step, and I think that this is the foundation. You know, I think that this is the start of where they can potentially go moving forward. There are higher expectations now. You know, they, they that's what they accomplished. They, they brought this spotlight and these higher expectations onto the program, and now they have to capitalize on it and continue to build on it. But I think getting to this point, you know, was a, was a big step for the program. The question that Steve Peichel will be will have to answer for himself, and only he can answer this, is as he remodels this Rutgers roster over the next year or two, does he want to do what he did to get them to this point, which is find the diamonds in the rough and coach them up and coach them as a cohesive unit that's better, where the whole is better than the sum of its parts? That's an art to doing that, a coaching art. Does he continue to want to do that? Um, or will he will he look to to capitalize on this newfound uh, publicity brand enhancement opportunity to now recruit you know four star and above players who maybe don't quite fit his mold of the ideal grinder guy that he succeeded with and try to mold those guys into that mentality? I don't know if he's willing to do that. I don't that we're going to find out. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be a thousand guys in the transfer portal. Is he going to is he going to take a shot on a guy that maybe doesn't have a perfect attitude, but has talent? He hasn't really done that to date. He's going to have an opportunity to do that now. And it will be fascinating. I, I think that this is such a unique offseason in terms of there is an opportunity to keep your team at a very high level. When you look at that transfer portal and there's more players to come. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talent in there. If if you want to try and rebuild on the fly, anybody, there's going to be an opportunity to do that. And as you said, Jerry, you know, there are some some risks associated with trying to do that. But um, it will be interesting to see what happens. But I think it's a very unique opportunity this offseason for teams. I think that he wants to build something sustainable. I, I you know, I, I think that he wants to have this um, his his program for a long time. And, and can kind of be something that could be successful. I mean, he came from a, a program in UConn under Jim Calhoun, and, and look what he built there. And I think that there's a lot that, you know, he's going to want to try and replicate. And I think that you do that by kind of, you know, so what Jerry said, bringing in the players that fit what Steve Peichel wants to do. Um, no question about it. It's going to be difficult. But I think that, that that's, in my opinion, I think that that's his best path moving forward is continuing to get to do what, you know, help them get to this point right now. But UConn got to a point where they were just bringing in stud recruits. Now, Calhoun's That's a, true. He's a brilliant coach. But UConn was getting stud recruits. And I don't know that Steve wants – I don't know that he wants to deal with the things that come with that. You know, I, I, I think his M.O. is to get three-star and low-end four-star guys and coach them up. I, I think that's the way he wants to coach. I, I don't – so it's, it's fascinating. He's going to have a chance now to get some bigger fish – but like they, he he weighs attitude very very heavily. Like Jim Calhoun took guys with attitudes and you know rolled the dice and got squeezed what he could out of them. I don't know that Steve Peichel is going to do that. And I, but he'll have a chance to now, and it, it'll be fascinating to see if he's willing to take that step or if he's going to go back to what he's the way he's gotten to them to this point. Um, and is there a ceiling doing that? Is there a ceiling if you're going to do it the way he's been doing it? I don't know. That's a good question, but for sure, you know, he, this is his program now for a long time. Like this is a destination job for Steve Peichel and he's going to get to make what he wants of it. And so, 
it will be fascinating to see what he makes of it. I think, too, and a lot of fans run into this in, in any sport, when you have a team lose in a, in a tournament or the playoffs, you always hear the line, we'll be back. And sometimes people say it, knowing it's necessarily not true. Other times it is true. Uh, for this Rutgers program, will they be back? It's, I don't know. If, I don't know. I mean, to be back here in the second round, you know, up 10 on a two seed with a chance to go to the Final Four, I mean, you don't. You can't answer that. I, they'll be back in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. for sure at some point. Yeah, probably lots of times. But will they be back here in this spot? I don't know. You know, Seton Hall made a Sweet 16 in 2000 with, and the future was so bright. With the, they had a five-star class coming in. Um, you know, they had Tommy Amaker, this brilliant young coach, and then he was gone, and then it started over again. You know, and then in 2016, Seton Hall. Won the Big East tournament with five sophomores in the starting lineup, and then Isaiah Whitehead left. You know, and then they never—they only won one more tournament game, and then they rebuilt around Miles Powell, and then they got a three—you're getting a three seed, and then the tournament got canceled. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's just—it's this is what—and we can get it—we can segue into the NCAA tournament now. But this is what makes the NCAA tournament the premier sporting event in America, if not the world, in that. The, the best team doesn't win a lot, and it's it's a fickle winds of fate that can decide who survives and advances, and you just don't know. Yeah, and it's it's been a wild weekend, to say the least, for this tournament so far. I mean, upsets just all over the place. Uh, you have Ohio State losing. You have, um, of course, Illinois losing. I mean, just left and right, everywhere you look, Abilene Christian wins. They beat Texas. Uh, Loyola Roberts is in the sweet 16 seed. seed. They beat Ohio State. They beat Florida. Unbelievable. Steve, how about, how about Rick Pitino scaring the bejesus out of Alabama? I tell you what, and I'm going to tell you next year, Pitino is going to have his team, not a bunch of guys he inherited. (laughs) You better watch out for Iona. I mean, Pitino, Pitino's, you know, character. There's been a lot of talk about that. We don't need to get into all that. We all know what that's about, but. Man, that guy is a top five all-time college basketball coach. And you're right. Iona, you think he's going to stay, Steve? I, You know what? That's interesting because, you know, he said after the game, I want to stay. He's been saying that. But I'm going to tell you, there are now major Power Five programs who are scratching their heads saying, you know what? Here's a guy who can take us to the final four. Is it worth the baggage? Is it worth having to bring out our president at the press conference and explain why we're doing this or whatever? And there are schools that are going to say, you know what? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's worth it. And he's been rehabilitated to a large extent. Iona has helped him rehabilitate himself. Yeah. Listen, he, here's a, you want to go to the final four? Here's your guy. Yeah, winning I mean, he, cures a lot of are... things. Winning cures a lot of things. <laughs> That's like a spin on the old hoops basketball maxim: shooting cures a lot of ills, right? That's like the next level version of that. Winning cures a lot of ills. That's good, Chris. Um, the other thing I, I want to talk about Loyola for a minute, and what makes the sport great, okay, is that Loyola has four-year players who stick around, who buy in who play together, who believe, and who are really well coached. And for them to go out there and not just beat, humiliate, humiliate the all-star team of Illinois is is a comment on what makes this sport and this tournament great. 
They humiliated Illinois. Did you see the body language of Illinois' players? They looked like they wanted to sprint on the freaking bus in the middle of the second half. If you went through Loyola's roster, those guys got recruited by a fraction of the schools Illinois' players got recruited by. And the Loyola's of the world, the Oral Roberts of the world, the Abilene Christians of the world are a thumb in the eye of conventional wisdom that you have to recruit studs to win in college basketball. And there is no equivalent in college football. There is no Loyola that could win the national title. If it's not Gonzaga, another small private school, there is no equivalent of teams, these teams sending Texas and Ohio State and Illinois packing in college football or any other major American sport. I said it during the Abilene Christian Texas game, and I said it again yesterday during the, the Loyola and Illinois game. Obviously, they're in the same state, these schools, Texas, Texas, Illinois, Illinois. You wonder how many of the guys on Abilene Christian never got that letter in the mail from Texas to, to come All to the recruiting them. None visit. None of them did. You wonder how that factored into how they played against Texas. Okay, you didn't want me. We're going to knock you out. Same for Loyola. How many of those guys even got a, an assistant coach to come take a look at them from Illinois uh, when they were in high school? You wonder that uh, that chip on the shoulder that's been sitting there for three, four, five years once they finally got the opportunity to knock them out. Of course, they were going to take advantage of that. But, I mean, the, you look at this, this South and uh, Villanova, too, by the way, uh, with a Jersey guy at the helm shutting up quite a lot of the uh, the detractors. Uh, they were a popular upset pick. Uh, uh, what did I Winthrop? tell you last week? You got what it right, Jerry. My you sleeper pick is Villanova. <laughs> Nobody's picking them. Let me tell you something. I'll, Steve can talk about Brian Antoine in a minute because he knows him better than any of us and then maybe anybody in the media. But, but Villanova was left for dead. Left for dead. They're in the Sweet 16. And you know what they're doing? They're carrying the flag for the Big East. The Big Ten is crapping its pants. <laughs> they have they have six out of nine teams are already out after three days. And here comes Villanova on one leg. They got a little bit of a break, okay, with the second round game. That Winthrop team they beat was really good. Here comes Villanova on one leg without their best player. And that's why Jay Wright, in my opinion, is the premier coach right now. I don't care how many rings coach k has i don't care right now jay wright is the best coach in college basketball he is carrying the flag for the big east they should have his bust a bronze bust on val ackerman's desk in the big east office because not only reputationally but there is something called units a unit is for every steve knows about this from the mac for every team you get in the tournament you get a slice of the pie of the billion dollar pie and it's exponential so you get more teams in, you get more pieces of the pie. And for every round you advance, you get more pieces of the pie. Villanova winning two games in a down year for the Big East, and then Creighton winning one game, maybe two. The Big East meets its budget now in terms of in terms of units because of what Jay Wright and Villanova have done. And Brian Antoine's been a nice part of that, Steve. Well, it's nice to see him because, I mean, let's face it. When you are as hyped as he was coming out of high school, you know, by the recruiters, that's so much pressure on a kid. You know, he immediately has a major shoulder injury that really cost him most of his freshman year. I mean, that that is tough on a kid. So now to finally see him healthy and now they need him and for him to be starting to respond, getting more used to playing those minutes. 
Uh, it's nice to see, and they need him, and he's playing well, and you can see how talented he is. And uh, you know, I just think it's a real upward trend now for for Brian Antoine. You know, and uh, a kid who really took the Ranny School, finished as the all-time leading scorer at the Jersey Shore, and and just a really nice kid. And he scored 14 points over their first two games. I think he may have missed like one shot. I mean, the guy was super efficient coming off the bench. Yeah, no, he he looked good, and and Villanova needs him. He's gonna he's gonna get more and more minutes as we get going here. Tell you what, wouldn't it be a, Steve? Wouldn't it be one heck of a story if Antoine helps Villanova take down Baylor? I mean, listen, it's a long shot, but you, would you bet your house against Jay Wright? No, you would not. No, absolutely uh, not. Abs- hey, listen, you you have one of the best players in the country go down, and you got these kids on the bench that you can plug in there and. You know, they're doing great. So, again, tip of the cap to Jay Wright. Not only is he a great coach, but, you know, he's got the pieces sitting there waiting to be used. And and we have our Sweet 16, of course, decided in the South and Midwest bracket, uh, uh, the West and East happening later today. Full disclosure, we'll probably record on Tuesday of next week. We wanted to hop on on Monday today to talk about Rutgers. But in the South and the Midwest, let's do uh, some some revisions here on our brackets because, as I said, they're just all a mess right now. Who do we like coming out of the South? Who do we like coming out of the Midwest? Jerry, we'll start with you. So, I mean, I'm still, I, I got to go with Baylor. Um, even though, but the heart says Villanova, right? With the local storylines in the Big East, but you have to. I mean, Baylor is just so good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Baylor in that, in that region, and they've, they've looked great to it so far. Steve, what do you think? I like Baylor too. You know, I mean, I, I would like to pick an upset there, but you know, I, they're a good team. They're really good. I'm, I'm going with Baylor too. Chris, same thing. <laughs> I'm going Baylor. Yeah, no question. Yep. Baylor over Arkansas for me, at least in the Elite Eight. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. You have the local angle for Villanova, and of course you have the the Cinderella story in or- Oral Roberts. But it, that looks like Baylor's bracket still, and we'll probably all be wrong. So we'll see. In I can see Oral Roberts picking off uh, Arkansas. I'm not going to rule that out, but no, I don't think yeah. anyone's beating Baylor. And now in the Midwest too, uh, where everything is crazy, we have Loyola <laughs> versus Oregon State and Syracuse versus Houston. Who do we like coming out of the Midwest, Jerry? It's it's amazing that Oregon State's still standing. I mean, they were they were dead in the water. They were like 500 team a week ago. Yeah, it's incredible that they they weren't even in the NIT. <laughs> it's incredible that they're still standing. Uh, Loyola's going to mop the floor with Oregon State, mop the floor, and then I like Houston over Syracuse. It's a fascinating game. I think Syracuse has maxed out. I think Houston's survived in advanced, a little tougher, um, but. Loyola to me is the chalk there right now, and you know they you can make a case that they're they have the third best odds of winning the national championship after Gonzaga and Baylor. They were yeah. just grotesquely underseeded at right. eight. Uh, I I see them doing it, and God, two Final Fours in four years for Loyola is just the best advertisement for college basketball. Uh, they, I tell you, this Midwest region has the most intriguing storylines I can remember in a long time. I mean, either you're gonna have Sister Jean there heading to the final four, or you're going to have Bayheim, who everyone was saying should not be in the tournament. <laughs> they made a run to the final four. Holy heck. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Loyola though. Yeah, I'll go with Loyola too. A lot of times when, when expectations are the lowest on Syracuse, that's when they put a run together and shock everyone, as you said. So we've seen it before. So 
But I, I do think that Loyola is playing really well. There's something special with this team, so I'm going to go Loyola too. Chris is a Syracuse alum. He didn't mention that. He's just full disclosure. <laughs> Chris, Chris's alma mater sent my alma mater packing last night, so I'll, I'll have to have a side conversation with Chris about that. But. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I knew once they once I remembered Syracuse in that zone, I knew the game was over. I I was uh, in blissful ignorance. I was so excited for that game, and then about an hour before, I was like, oh yeah, the zone. They're not going to figure out the zone, and well, what do you know? Look at that. But I do like Loyola to, to come out of this bracket. Did you guys see the prayer Sister Jean had before the game yesterday? Not just, you know, you're praying for good luck, praying to, to stay free of energy and injuries. She prayed that Loyola would hold Illinois under 30% three-point <laughs> shooting. What do you know they held on the 28%? Amazing. The whole scattering report. The whole scattering report. She's quoting stats in her pregame prayer. Amazing. Amazing. The best part was when she, she picked her bracket in the beginning and said, I don't see Kentucky on here. Where's Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> Jabbing John Calipari, 101-year-old sister Jean. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> uh, it's been a fun tournament so far. I mean, uh, of course, back to Rutgers. A, a lot as we as we move away from the tournament. Like I said, it stings today, but they have a lot to be proud of in, in terms of what they accomplished this year. And we're looking forward to the next few weeks of this tournament because it's been a great time so far. Uh, guys, we're going to wrap up here. But uh, as we do that, let's just go around and we'll start with you, Jerry. Uh, what are some things that our listeners can read in the coming week? Well, there'll be some Rutgers wrap-up stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to do – I'm going to do some sort of thing where we do like a top moments and Jersey Jersey college basketball moments in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's still kind of coming together in my head right now, but we'll do some kind of some kind of ranking and memorable, you know, and yeah, and certainly what happened yesterday will be on there, but, but we're going to have some fun with that. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to have – I'm definitely going to have some some updates on, on some of the mid-major stuff going on. You know, there's going to be a lot of guys moving around, changing teams, staying going. So uh, there's going to be a lot to update in the coming weeks. And I'm going to have uh, coverage of the women's team. They're their start today in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're going to be playing BYU. So we'll have coverage of that and, and you know, see what kind of run they can put together. Um, but, you know, keep checking uh, app.com all week for, uh, for coverage of what they do. So another big year, another big chance for uh, C. Vivian Stringer's team. Absolutely. Be keeping an eye on the Scarlet Knights and the women's tournament there. And that's going to wrap up episode 16 for the Sweet 16. We're having a great time watching this tournament. Happy bracket busting to everyone out there. For Steve, for Jerry, for Chris, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on Jersey Jump Shot. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.